0: This episode of Voices in My Head is brought to you by Podbean. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. Visit podbean.com voices to find out more. That's podbean.com slash voices. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. I'm so glad today to have a couple of old friends with me, Jonathan Berkey and Jeremy Thompson, and they are both part of a podcast called The Evangelicals Podcast. It's a great show that I really enjoy, and they exist to try and help people think critically with Christian lenses, and they try and tackle current topics and issues, and they do their very best to ask questions about how Christians might see these topics From a Biblical Perspective, Jeremy serves as the pastor at Paulding Church of the Nazarene in the village of Paulding in Paulding, Ohio. Jonathan is the music pastor at uh, Lima Community Church of the Nazarene, and I am so glad to have both of them here today to have this conversation. Guys, welcome to Voices in My Head. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Hey, I want to let our listeners know in advance that Jonathan is actually driving. All three of us are are in three different places in different parts of the state of Ohio today, so there may be a little bit of choppiness in the call. And if we lose you, that's why. I don't think it's because you just got mad and hung up the phone and left or anything like that, but we wanted people to know in advance. But I am thrilled to be able to talk with you both today. Uh, First of all, how is your new year going?
1: Jonathan? Yeah, things are going... Things are going well. As Rick mentioned, I'm the worship pastor at Lima Community Church in Lima, Ohio. It's the Church of the Nazarene. I have three young children. Uh, right now, our house has the flu. Everybody has fevers. So we're kind of quarantined. And really, just uh, January is one of my favorite months of the year because I tend to make a lot of fires in my fireplace and we uh, spend evenings reading books and just kind of resting after the hustle of the
0: holidays. it is. Yeah, well that sounds great Well, Other than the flu, I mean it sounds great The flu sounds horrible, but the rest of it Sounds great, I could go for the the Fireplace and the winter weather and all that Jeremy, how about you? How's your 2020 going thus far?
2: It's going great, just getting back In the groove and the swing of things And Advent's always fun um, Because it's kind of a different Feel in church And in life and a lot of things going on But it's always nice to get back to kind of The routine and and things as normal. So we are are in seeking to do that and, uh, and, and enjoying the new year so far for
0: sure. Well, that's terrific. Well, your show is called The Evangelicals, and I want to start there with the name because it seems like that would be a name that a lot of people have strong feelings about one way or another. I can tell you that when I was growing up, I think the term meant something a lot different than maybe what it means today. And I'd love to just ask you first, both of you, feel free to answer this question. Why did you call your show the Evangelicals? Why not the Nazarene Pastors or something like that? Well, Ray, since you're both part Ray, of the Nazarene denomination. Can
1: you can you answer the question? What what do you think the stereotype was as you were growing up? You said it maybe meant something in the past and it doesn't it now. Can you just find out a little bit?
0: Well, to me, now this may be my. Uh, My frame of reference, but to me what evangelical meant was really, at least in my understanding, someone who was trying to live out the Great Commission. We weren't a part of more of the mainline denominations like Catholicism and and some of the um, other, you know, we weren't Presbyterian or any of those uh, more in the high church type traditions. Uh, To me, evangelicals was people in in more of a Protestant tradition who were about living out the Great Commission, uh, who wanted to make disciples in all nations. Uh, what I started to find out about it later on was it was a lot more deeply tied in, at least the name was, with a a right-wing political structure that tended to go with the religious right. As I've gotten older, and I think where we are now, it feels like the name evangelical is almost exclusively seen, at least by maybe people outside the church, as this political structure that empowers the religious right. Um, and so a lot of people I know tend to shy away from the name and even want to call themselves more a part of the confessing church um, in, in many different ways. And so I think there, there are strong feelings um, maybe on both sides of that word, but, but I'd love to get your take. What was sort of your feeling of what the word meant and then what you have come to understand it as?
1: I think that the problem that you just addressed, and laid out wonderfully, is the reason that we are using the name, it's to bring us back to a place, kind of the Greek understanding of evangelical as good news proclaimers.
2: Mm. Yeah, I would just jump on that and say I, I totally agree, it's, it was the whole reason was how do we, I think sometimes in Christianity we we, we abandon words or things but we, I think we felt like it was hard to abandon the idea that we are the good news. And so how do we reclaim and recapture the imagination for what this word actually meant in Greek in the New Testament? And uh, because I don't know that we can escape being good news for the world.
0: Hmm. So, again, just in case it wasn't clear uh, in in Jonathan's part, because it was just a little bit choppy in the call, what is your definition then, if you're going back to a more biblical Greek understanding of of what evangelical means? Yeah, someone who proclaims the good news, who bears the good news, and evangelical,
1: and that term has been hijacked for the reasons that you addressed, Rick. Again, you laid that out, I think, historically very well, and so we are... Redeeming the name, because the fact of the matter is, whether or not I hate my last name or I hate what my grandparents have done in the name of God, I'm still a part of that family.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, well, very good, and and that's, that's a good uh, kind of jump-off point for us as we're talking about this because – um, it's interesting when you use the name The Evangelicals. I, I was uh, fascinated to find out, I know I've talked to both of you before, and you had said that that name was not taken for a podcast. <laughs> How shocked were you to find out that nobody had grabbed that name yet? Nobody wants it. <laughs> <laughs> we,
2: we're just the, the suckers that said, we'll take that Answer.
0: Nobody wants this name, I'll claim it. That's right. No, it's... I I think it's really good, though, because I I agree with you. The words do mean things to us, and I'm glad that you guys have both sort of taken it on your mission to be able to use the word and what it means. Proclaimers of the good news, people who want to share good news with the world. It seems like so often, even in our churches, they don't seem to be places that are proclaiming good news. You know, uh, there's a lot of news going around in the world, and, and sometimes it's not the best news. Sometimes it can be... Uh, very disheartening. And and, um, even at times, people get browbeaten from the pulpit um, whenever they come into a house of worship. And we forget sometimes that there is such a need to be bearers of the gospel, the literally the good news. Um, So I think you guys, if I'm not mistaken, have you been running your show for a little over a year now? That's correct. I'm just going to address the most recent episode that you put online and the one that I listened to yesterday just to give uh, people listening a taste of kind of the things that you talk about. Um, So a couple of things that I know you you discussed in your your latest show on The Evangelicals was the Christianity Today uh, article that came out that basically was – not basically, it was coming out and saying President Trump needs to be impeached. And so there was a lot of fallout on that from from all different – Uh, directions that were coming in. Some people were very pro-Christianity today, some people were, you know, calling it an extreme left rag, Um, and then you guys just sat and talked about that, and not in a charged way at all. There was no atmosphere of, like, really one side uh, or the other, but you you kind of approached that with the idea of, how can we sit and and just talk about these things, you know, what's going on without it being a politically charged uh, atmosphere? Uh, but then also, uh, y- your conversation turned to something very relevant that's in the news right now, and what's happening in Iran, and uh, and and it was it was great to be able to hear a conversation from both of you that didn't sound like it originated from a cable news network, you know, <laughs> and and that kind of stepped forward with the question first of if we're going to be people of faith, how do we begin a conversation like this, you know, what what do we first believe that our Lord says? Um, about these things, and about these situations, and how do we approach these, first of all, of Christians, and there's, I, I love that there was no, um, like, political agenda leaning in, in, in the term of, uh, in, and when I mean political, I'm talking about, like, Republican, Democrat, things like that, because we, we all know together that political, Um, The gospel is very political in that it shapes people's lives and how we organize ourselves. But most people, when they hear that word political, they're just thinking in the realms of who we're going to elect next. Um, And so I like that. I think in some ways you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I think aren't you trying to kind of reclaim that as well? Like the kingdom of God is a different kind of politic in the way that you're discussing things. Would I be correct in how I'm saying that?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and trying to to frame, I think Jonathan said it earlier, that there's a third way and something that Wesley, John Wesley, who we attribute a lot of our theology to, was very famous for, was kind of just, he called it the middle way, that it was neither extreme, but there's, that maybe God's way is seeing the good in both and the bad in both and understanding that we live for this kind of middle understanding of what it means to be a part of the kingdom.
1: Something that concerns me in our current Christian situation in North America is that there is no room for the prophetic voice. Before people come to church, before they read the article, in their mind, they have all they are they already have the of what ought to be said and what is the Christian response. And I think that we should be humble enough to recognize that when Jesus came to earth, he was crucified.
0: to do that isn't it because i think all of us just sort of in in the way that we live our life day to day and especially if you're a person who has some sort of electronic device that you know dings every hour or so to give you the latest news update we're almost conditioned to have our own little thought bubbles that we live in and i think we have to be conscious to actually um be living in a kingdom mindset and to be living in uh, you know, in what Jesus would call the kingdom of God, and how we live in that way. Um, but I think it can be challenging. Do you guys ever find yourselves uh, struggling uh, to to actually try to be a prophetic voice um, in the midst of that landscape? And and suddenly you you feel like maybe you're actually spouting off a news talking point that suits maybe your point rather I mean have you ever found yourself in that place and then you back up and go wait maybe that was maybe that was more CNN or or Fox or whatever than I intended for it to be because it sounds that way I'm just curious have you ever found yourself struggling with that
2: yeah all the time I think that that as you say things and I think that's the hardest part is is you say something and it probably does sound one extreme or the other, or one aisle, uh, you know, political aisle or the other. But it doesn't mean, and then you just get holistically lumped into that group. But I think that that's where you really have to be in prayer and try to say, hey, this isn't a Republican idea, although Republicans may hold this, or this isn't a Democratic idea, although Democrats may hold this view, but it actually comes from Scripture, and And so I think that there are things in scripture that you say that may be talking points of a news media or whatever. And like I said, the unfortunate jump that people make is then the next thing is, well, you must be a liberal or you must be a conservative or you must be this. And we've lost the ability. And I think Jonathan may have mentioned this earlier of looking at things issue by issue rather than lumping it into, well, you believe this, so you must believe everything else that goes along with that ideology or thinking?
1: Yeah, I think this is a great question. Unfortunately, when you land on any issue, because our political system is so polarized into two, if you come down on any sense of truth, you're probably going to be saying something that agrees with one of these sides of the aisle because they've been Hmm. so polarized. If you find yourself always coming down on the same side of the aisle, it's possible that your ideology has been hijacked by a political party. I don't ever Mm. approach scripture with an idea of how is this going to affect politics. So the it just so happened that a couple of years ago when we were talking about um, the the immigrants and the border, the stuff going on at the border, Jeremy and I were reading – Stuff out of I think it was Deuteronomy, Jeremy, where where God says, "Take care of the foreigner and alien." Mm-hmm. I live in a very conservative subculture. I have a lot of conservative political ideologies, but as a Christian, I think that the command to me is to take care of the foreigner and the alien. My nationalism doesn't trump my Christianity. No pun intended. And so, yeah. what what becomes the problem then is we have that conversation and that episode. And people who are so, um, so Republican or conservative in their political mindset, they hear the episode and they completely miss all of the truth that's in it because Mm. they hear it, they hear it as political, not as Christian. And this is why Jesus said from Isaiah the prophet, these people have ears to hear, but they, but they're not hearing. They have eyes to see, but they are never seeing. And this is just, I mean, this is what it's like to do Christian work. I'm not claiming to be a prophet. I think mean, you should be very suspicious of anyone claiming to be a prophet. But I don't know how you can read the prophetic texts and not see them being prophetic to our day today.
0: Hmm. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. And, and just to piggyback on that with some humor, I, I sometimes say I'm I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. But I work for a non-profit, so I guess I'm a non-profit <laughs> non-profit. So, um, that's great, Rick. So, um but you know what i i I agree with you and it is very hard um to sometimes have those conversations and it does reveal our own biases and sort of the bubbles that we live in which is why i applaud what often takes place on your your podcast um and i think what you guys are trying to address again—a kingdom reality, looking at scripture, trying to hold up scripture to uh, the world that we're living in, and asking what is what is God asking us in these times—and and, you know the, the hard thing about that—and I'd love to get your comments on these too—is—is um, is scripture itself is—and—and uh, and my my good friend here in town who is a Jewish rabbi—he's helped me see this more and more all the time as as he. Talks to me about the Hebrew scriptures and we fellowship together and talk. Um, you know, he's always reminding me that that scripture, so many of the books are written in sort of an argument with another book. You know, they're they're kind of wrestling with each other on different matters about what God is saying about X and Y and things like that. So you might have one book that is addressing one issue in completely one way, and then another prophet that comes along and he's kind of kind of almost coming like but also there's this other side now wait a minute you know <laughs> and it's interesting to me um, that sometimes even our approach to scripture if we approach scripture as as this dead book that's not living but only seeing it as a rule book and only seeing it as having one thing to say to any of us on any issue um, I already think we're kind of missing, the point and the beauty of the way that it was gathered and canonized, you know, because I think it was actually meant for us to to have a helpful conversation. Um, I mean, just speaking on issues of like, uh, of borders alone, you know, you talked about the immigrants a moment ago, you know, there are scriptures that talk about heaven's gates. Um, But then if you get to the last book of the Bible, almost the last chapter of the Bible, it talks about, at, you know, heaven's gates and her gates will never be shut. You know, so it's this whole other uh kind of image about the gates. Well, yeah, it's got the gates, but it's not closing them. You know, so it's kind of an interesting conversation piece when you have that. So, I guess the question that I'm going at with both of you, within our view of scripture, do you guys ever find yourself in the midst of of a conversation on the show, kind of? Maybe taking two different views of the same issue, but maybe using the same Bible to do it. Have you you ever had that sort of confront you?
1: Jeremy is always right, so I always disagree with whatever he says. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, The thing is, what's the thing that's wonderful about? I think our relationship, and I'm not trying to speak for you, Jeremy, is that neither of us care more about um, the Bible as an immovable document, then we care about each other,
0: hmm. which
1: I think is kind of something that you you find in Christian subcultures a lot, of people who are fundamentalists. I have this guy who always sends me texts about how women shouldn't be preachers and talk in church, and it's the most annoying thing because what he's doing is he's completely throwing out of the Bible, both in Joel and in Peter's sermon at Pentecost, the idea of the evidence of God's spirit being poured out is that women will prophesy. And he just doesn't want to read that part of the Bible. He can't stand it. And he wants to lift up the part where Paul says, you know, I think it's to Timothy, women shouldn't talk. He definitely doesn't believe that women are saved in childbirth, which is what Paul says in the next sentence. You know, I mean, this is, but there's so many things like this. Romans says, we're justified by faith alone. James says, show me your deeds without works, because it's impossible. Like, it's, non, it's nonsensical. There are so many issues like this throughout the scriptures, and... Jeremy and I, um, we recognize the polarities present in the text and mm-hmm. the good and bad. I think of, I don't, it's not that we're all knowing, but at the end of the day, we're trying to have a relationship more than we are, to like, be right about something that's argued in the Bible.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know that, that we disagree a whole lot. Sometimes we'll ask each other questions to clarify or to push back a little bit and, Mm-hmm. But but for the most part, it's just trying to have an honest – I think we try to, like in the last episode, admit when we don't know or we don't have all of the information. Like we try to, to just approach it in, in as, as honest of a fashion that we can and, mm-hmm. and, and as humbly and as gracefully – but we do, like yeah, like you said, try to understand the Bible is is a collection of books and and obviously we are Nazarene pastors, so that influences a lot of how we view the scripture and and understand inspiration and interpretation. and, and so like I said, we try to to point out um, just just the understanding, but look at it. And, and I think when people you know as Jonathan just said when you take one verse or one aspect and then you ignore all of the other hundreds of references that maybe speak against that one part then you're you're not being true to the the whole understanding and narrative and theme of what scripture is trying to I think tell us and and encourage us to be um, holistically
0: let me bring things a little closer to home for both of you because I'm sure that being uh, ministers in your local context at each of your congregations makes a difference in the kind of conversations that you're having. Um, Not to say that you're pulling everything straight from the pews and and we're going to talk about that this week, but there must be some bearing in sort of the life that you're sharing with your congregations too when you come on a show to talk about things like this. So let me ask you, what are some of the struggles that that you are um, kind of dealing with Right now that that may have some overlap, uh, both with your podcast, but also with uh, the show that you do, like something that might be addressed in both places that that you find to be very relevant on on each side. Um, and and if, if I'm hopefully I'm making myself clearer in that question um, because it's not always true that the same thing we're dealing with in our local church is the same thing that we're going to talk about on a podcast. So I don't want you to like name names or anything like that at people. But just what are some of the things that you're finding that you can address on a podcast that you find so helpful um, that you're also struggling with in the context of a local congregation?
2: Well, I think that, that all of these issues are – Are very, people are talking about them and, and I think that what's, what's, what I'm finding out is once again, people's thoughts about these topics come more from news media and, and most often conservative news media than it does even what scripture says about these issues. And, and so I think that as, as a person who is trying to shepherd and lead and disciple, Um, I I think, you know, I didn't I don't know that I'll ever talk about the Iranian situation specifically like we did on our podcast, but talk about how do we view people and situations from a Christian lens, a Christian perspective. And what does that mean about how we potentially how we view and what that looks like? Um, So I think I think what is is cool about what we're trying to do. Is to me some of the conversations, like I said, I don't have them maybe as pointedly or as as openly as we do on the podcast. But I would say that most of them come from reflections and thoughts of of probably people sitting in the pews in my church and people that live in my my town and and because I think it's just very apparent in in a huge way.
1: The thing about a podcast that is fundamentally different from preaching is you have Somebody talking back at you, which is provides you a completely different dynamic than what happens a lot. But when you, mostly when we prepare things to speak, we're preparing them to preach or we're preparing them to teach, and those environments don't have as much kind of kickback. And both Jeremy and I, in coming up with this podcast, had people coming to us saying, "Hey, I'd love to hear a Christian podcast talking about current issues." That I can't predict what they're going to say based on their political affiliation, and we were like, you know, that that would be kind of cool. That sounds cool. Somebody could do that. You know, it's like, oh man, I knew and, then, and this is ultimately Jeremy's idea. He's like, hey, I was thinking about this. You ever thought about that? And I was like, it's funny you should say that because I think that would be really cool. And so, I I don't know how helpful we have been overall. I also don't, here's one of the hard things about putting anything about producing anything is that when you produce something and you put it out there in the general public, like you can't, you can't defend it. So back Mm. to the biblical thing, when, when Jeremy or I, who both are relatively academic, talk about scripture in a way that may not be historical, critical, or maybe we're using some sense of allegory or something. We are aware of that dynamic, that our perspective is not the only possible truth out there. But I think where a lot of people would argue with us in our podcast is that we present an idea that may not be very popular. And so people think to us, these guys are stupid because they think that that point of view is the truth or something. And we're trying to, what we're trying to do is say things out loud that other people aren't saying, whether or not it is mm-hmm. true. So that you can wrestle with it
0: in your life. Yeah. Well, thank you for for addressing that on a local level. I, I know it's a, it's something else, and and you're right. When you put something out there, uh, especially online, there's no way to really like talk back about it. And and it's it's been fascinating. This is just kind of a humorous thing, but I think both of you know that I I run this uh, Twitter account where I just post Mr. Rogers quotes every day. And, um, without fail, I mean, most people are on there and they just, you know, they comment and they like it or retweet or whatever, but there are people every day that at some point decide they need to argue with this quote that I have posted from Fred Rogers and, you know, Bear in mind, he's been dead for over twenty years. Um, he's not arguing back. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing that that people still feel the need to literally almost like they will argue with a wall. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a yeah. It's like people will just argue about anything, and um, and you're right. It's hard whenever we put things out there because we don't always get a chance uh, to talk back about those things. But, but I do want to address one other thing, and I know our, our time is limited because you are, Jonathan, en in, in route to Dayton, Ohio right now, and, um, and so we want to be conscious of, of your time and meetings that you have ahead. But I've been thinking about what it means uh, to be in relationship with people. I think that often our uh, maybe what we want to do in our heart uh, when we have someone that's difficult to confront, especially if they have a completely seemingly opposite worldview of us uh, on something, Uh, and especially in matters of what often gets uh, political or things that are read online or are talked about a lot on cable news shows, the easy thing to do is we want to shut those people out of our lives and just go, well, let's just ignore them and and move on. Um, Or maybe on the other extreme, we want to say, well, you're crazy and this is a cult you're a part of, you know, or something, and just almost dismiss those people but what is interesting is is people who have, have worked with people who have been members of cults, and it, it it is interesting because there is an overlap, I think, with a lot of our people who are almost addicted to like cable news sources, and they're in these bubbles. Um, they do develop some some cult like um, attributes to them, and one thing that I've been uh, studying lately is the way that you actually help these people who have been cults and people in the past who have literally been in cults to get out of a movement like that is not to cut yourself off from relationship with them, but to actually go deeper with them and to form deeper relationships with them and to actually have genuine discussions and to continue holding up the light to them. And I think that in in many ways as pastors, that's a task that we have as being uh, people, if we want to be like Jesus, who, as you have both said, that your show is trying to do as evangelicals, is you want to hold out the good news to people, um, one of the best ways that we can do that is to continually confront them, not with you're crazy or leave me alone, but to actually maybe confront them with here's good news uh, to hear today, you know, good news that we need to find. Um, I'd I'd love to maybe just in our in the, the short time that we have left together today, has that been your experience that the best way to interact in those times is to actually go deeper in relationships with people that we have a harder time with? Um or or has or that has that been your experience at all? I'd just love to hear your perspective.
1: I think that uh, discipleship and evangelism in the church for some reason have been divided which is so troubling to me there's this idea that evangelism is convincing somebody that they're wrong and you're right and discipleship is like befriending them and teaching them once they've converted how to become more christ-like and the thing is discipleship is evangelism i mean that's mm-hmm. that's what we see of by jesus I do not I do not understand that we even have, like, different conferences to talk about these two different things, especially in reform circles. It's like you have to go to an evangelism conference, and the evangelism conference talks about how to win people to Christ or something like this by, like, strategies. And I just think it's all so nonsensical. The people that you're going to win to Christ through evangelism in that sense are the same people that the Jehovah's Witnesses win to Christ. Because they go door to door looking for lonely people who are just dying for a relationship, hmm. and you kind of bring them into their into their cult and into their fold. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with your premise, Rick.
2: Yeah, I think that that going deeper and harder with the friendship and relationship and and saying I'm in this for better, for worse, um, because I'm your friend and our friendship isn't based on you believing like me. It's based on the fact that we're just both human beings trying to be who Jesus wants us to be. Uh, and I think that that the relational aspect of, of our faith and I, I, I'm in total agreement with Jonathan. I don't know how you separate discipleship and evangelism. They seem to be kind of two sides of the same coin and and I think that as we journey, and it's funny, I'm reading this Japanese theologian who wrote this book called Three Mile Per Hour God. And, uh, the whole premise of the book is, is that's about how fast people walk and that we, our culture, and he wrote this book in the seventies, uh, 1970s, and he said our culture's become so fast paced that we've lost the ability to, to really just interact with people and walk with people and, and journey with people and that that, and so the whole premise is, is that we need to slow down to catch up with God. And, and I love that thought. And, and so I think that that's the way that we are going to, to be better and, and, and to really be the good news is living with people and walking through the mud with people and sitting in puddles with people and truly just journeying through life together. And the minute we give up on, on groups, the minute we throw away the, the term evangelical, Um, Howard, how do we ever hope to reform it or make it better or make it more Christian or make it more like Jesus if we're going to, to just get, to just get out. And and so I think that reform is a hard thing. I think journey with people is a hard thing, but I think it's the life that, that compels us. And, you know, look at Jesus, like, you know, he had 12 and one didn't make it. I mean, that's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. Um. Mm-hmm. And so I think he modeled in a big way this group of crazy people from all different political views together, and he changed the world with them because he he didn't give up on them.
1: Rick, I've, I've got to go. Rick, I'm so sorry. I've got to go. I've got a situation at home that I need to address. Hey, can I just give you a salutation here?
0: Yes, please.
1: Thank you for having us, Rick. All right, cool. <laughs>
0: Thanks, man. You guys keep Thanks, talking. Thanks, man. Well, yep. best wishes right. to you, brother. Blessings. Thanks, Thanks for being
1: here. All right. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye.
0: Well, well Jeremy, we'll just finish our time together with the two of us then. Sorry that Jonathan had to leave, but we want to make sure he can get all of that taken care of. I, I was just going to follow up on what you had both said. I think it's very wise uh, for us to once again reconnect, um, reconnect the idea that Christians are made through discipleship, not that Christians are made and then discipled, and um, I I think if if we look at a, a very early church approach to the way that disciples were made, that was very much the case, and even in the first couple hundred years, Of the early church, you know, how how many, um, as as you know from the church history classes that we had at Trevecca, Jeremy, (laughs) uh, you know, how many years was it that a person had to be discipled before they were actually baptized and then allowed to receive their first communion, you know, and it it was a serious uh, undertaking, and the church wanted to make sure that they were committed, and as I think about it, you know, we've been talking about things like cable news stations, and in many ways, they have discipled people to their view, and it hasn't happened overnight. Um, over years of being watched day in and day out, um, you can tell that they've been making their own kinds of disciples. Uh, you can tell it on social media, for instance, when an issue comes up and when people comment and they'll say the exact same thing as somebody else said, just you know, three three uh, threads before that or, or something else that was said on some other news show then they've learned to like get their talking points down and they've given it to to their followers, so to speak, and their followers have just taken it. Almost to the point that I can immediately tell usually, you know, in in the midst of a conversation what news channel a person watches because I can tell by what they're spouting off in their talking point. In a sense, they've been discipled, right?
2: Absolutely. And I think that, that it's we would do better as Christians like you said, to go back to your question, um, like when I see people post things on Facebook, I try not to respond on Facebook, other than just to say hey, that's interesting. But I always, always, always end my response with, "But I would love to get together with you and actually sit down and have a conversation about this." And
1: hmm.
2: and, and so not using Facebook as the place to do that, but actually sitting down across the table and. And discussing the issue that they raised on Facebook or Twitter or wherever I found wherever, you know, it came up and I find it to be more in conversations that I thought were going to be more um, tense, actually were lovely mm-hmm. and gracious and, and way better than I know that if I would have posted something in response on Facebook, it would have blown up and not been beneficial or grace filled or, any of those things
0: so yeah no I, I agree with you and I think that's the, the way to go if if I could only take back the numerous things that I've spouted off online over the years and then went back and deleted or corrected or had to go back and say I'm sorry because we uh, I don't I don't know if that means that we present our true selves on social media or if we are presenting uh, our truer selves in person but you're exactly right. Um, they, don't, they don't always seem to be the same in our responses uh, when we don't have a face-to-face um, you know, kind of fellowship with another person together. Uh, so I, I find that whole thing fascinating, and I, I appreciate the way that you and Jonathan are having these conversations week in and week out. Uh, one of these days we need to get together maybe and have a, a face-to-face uh, podcast discussion like this one about some of these things that we're discussing today but you've been very generous with your time just real quickly as as we're wrapping up today jeremy on on behalf of you and jonathan both and the evangelicals podcast um give us a a, a quick rundown of, of what is maybe coming up on the show what you're thinking about for the coming days and how people can best find you
2: so we are on iTunes and and where you, I think just about wherever you can get podcasts. Uh, if you type in the evangelicals, you have a cool little logo of some of the past evangelicals, Wesley, Calvin, it's kind of, it's really creative. And thank you to the guy that did that for us. Um, yeah. I think we just want to continue, like I said, not necessarily trying to give answers, but just raising questions and trying to, to ask the better questions as Christians and not the, the most common um so we we really just see what's happening in culture and on the news and and say hey let's talk about this and address this um, and and in our news cycle that's ever changing so it's hard to to predict what the that's always going to be um, but we have a couple things like I said that we really like to talk about um, the Constitution and like the gun law and just understanding you know. Just kind of even like you talked about the Bible, is the constitution a living document or is it a dead document? And what does that mean about mm-hmm. some of the things that our forefathers wrote and just trying to have a better conversation about that and just raising some issues maybe in light of the, the, the recent shooting that happened in the church. Um, mm-hmm. and so, um, so yeah, like I said, just trying to, to t- tackle those things. We don't have any guests. Currently lined up, but um, I'm sure, like I said, those will come up as well as we uh, journey together. So that's kind of kind of where we're headed, I think.
0: Sure. So do you guys have, uh, forgive me for not knowing this, I should have researched it myself in advance, but we kind of did this fast getting together like this today. Is there sort of a regular release schedule that you have? Do you do it every two weeks or just, uh, is it uh, just kind of whenever you're able to get together or do you have a, a, a release schedule?
2: The goal is every two weeks to do two months. Every two And weeks. Um, just depending on our schedules, you know, we both have children, so it just depends on but we try to schedule it every every other week.
0: Well, I hope you will continue doing these for many, uh, many, many episodes to come because I really enjoy the conversations. And whenever I, my only complaint about uh, any podcast that I listen to is I sit down and especially with yours, I want to actually be in on the conversation too. Right. <laughs> because yeah. I find myself like responding back like, oh yes, or, you know, I'd love to add that. But uh, it, it, that really tells me Um, that this is something that's resonating with me as I listen to it and hear your conversations together. So I appreciate the approach that you're both taking on the Evangelicals podcast. I appreciate the way that you're trying to reclaim the word uh, for what it means as proclaimers of the good news. and uh, and I appreciate you being here on the show today. So my thanks both uh, to Jonathan, who had to leave and uh, and I hope everything is okay with with him at home right now. And thank you, Jeremy, uh, for for being here today. It's always good to catch up. Well it was a
2: blast and very humbling that you would think of us. So thank you so much for for all that you do and your friendship and uh, it was it was a good time.
0: Well, thanks, brother, and thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. Thank you for joining me here this week on Voices in My Head. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleejames.com, where you can find out more about me, get my music on vinyl and CD, follow my blog, and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at rickleejames.com. Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.